Welcome to the Wonder Space podcast. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past 58 episodes, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest, our friends at asknature.org are going to help us to rewonder. Kombucha is more than sour fermented tea. It's a thriving microbial metropolis. First, yeast use the sugars and nutrients in the tea to grow, producing alcohol. Bacteria feed on the alcohol and convert it into acids that inhibit the growth of competing microbes. The bacteria also use sugars to make long, thin fibers of cellulose that rise to the top of the brew, forming a multi-layered biofilm called a pellicle. The pellicle acts as a protective shield and a storehouse of material that the bacteria and yeast can convert back to sugar when needed. When yeast die, they in turn release vitamins and nutrients that are recycled by the microbial community. It may sound like a tiny production line, but in fact, it's a miniature ecosystem with a balance and cycle of life all its own. Our nighttime orbit this week will take us over Egypt and the Red Sea. And to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Elisa Freya. Elisa is an Emirati, Lebanese entrepreneur, producer, feminist activist, and the founder of Wimina, which is a female-focused media company which aims to inspire real change through storytelling and digital content. Elisa was nominated by our 24th guest on Wonderspace, Dave Erasmus. I nominated Elisa for a ride in Wonderspace because she is an exciting, imaginative human who brings creativity to everything she touches and I wanted to see what would come out of this conversation together in space. With a panoramic view of Earth, I start by asking Elisa, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? Uh, I think without a doubt for me that place that I would love to kind of see from an aerial perspective that just brings me a lot of happiness is Lebanon uh, and, and Beirut in particular. The mountains with the snow and the beach with sunshine and we would see a bustling main city and then these beautiful trees that are kind of in cradling and hugging the land. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite places. I haven't actually been back to Lebanon since Thawra, since the revolution in 2019. And I, I flew in to be part of the revolution and um, see the city. This is pre-explosion as well. So I saw a city that was recognizable to me, but very much in turmoil um, and conflict. And I ha since I haven't been back in two years, I would love if I did a beautiful flyover and just to see the beauty of it from from above and maybe some heartbreak as well because of the changed landscape that happened after the explosion. Elisa, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. Life story so far is quite... Um, 
I think, eclectic in terms of experiences. I have multiple um, identities, cultural identities. I'm Arab and American and grew up in Paris, but have been living in the Middle East for the better part of the last decade. And uh, exciting times because I just moved out of Dubai and I'm trying to see where the next location is that's going to, to, to house me, that I can set up roots in. Uh, right now it's Egypt and, and specifically by the Red Sea in Egypt, which is an absolutely incredible location. So it's always been quite um, interesting to me to compare and contrast different perspectives and different kind of cultural values, whether they're European or American or Middle Eastern. And when I first moved to the UAE, I saw it as this land of opportunity where you can kind of build whatever you want. And I was going to build a business at the time, which was an angel investment platform. We were going to be teaching financial literacy and managing investments. And very early on, we realized that most of our customers were going to be men and that as 23 year old women, that was actually going to be a pretty big struggle. So, um, we decided strategically to shift our focus towards women and teaching women financial literacy and inspiring women investors to kind of support the tech ecosystem as it grew and maybe shake up some of that liquidity. But a few things happened in that first path. And, um, and essentially, I had moved with a co-founder, and then my relationship with the co-founder uh, quickly deteriorated. Uh, the investment networks business model was not something that actually was viable in the long run. So I had to think about how to pivot. Um, but most importantly, I kind of fell in love with the feminist space. And I really understood the true state of women in the world for the first time in my life. I understood that feminism in the 70s, the second wave feminism, wasn't something that was done and dusted in the past, but was something that uh, very much was a starting point. And actually there was a lot more work that needed to be done. So this is pre-Me Too. And after the Me Too movement happened and the dialogue around women happened, that spread globally and it spread to the Middle East. And the discussion and debate here um, became a lot richer. And so I, I made it my life's purpose to work towards equality and gender equity um, in the world, not just in our region, but starting in our region with the community that I represent as an Arab woman. And so Wamina, which started as an investment network, um, I kept the brand name and the brand equity, but I completely shifted our business model to being a media company aimed at feminist content, uh, change making a storytelling that really has a measurable positive impact on society. And that's essentially what I've been really fostering and growing over the last four years is this platform that takes back ownership of the narrative around Arab women and makes it a much more authentic and nuanced voice that we can feel proud of and represented by. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? My place of reset is right in the heart of Paris. It's home for me and specifically on an island called Ile Saint-Louis, which is right in the middle of the Seine 
and uh, is an island that neighbors another island that hosts uh, the Notre Dame, which everybody is familiar with. But this one is much smaller, and it's a, a beautiful island where my mom happens to have her apartment, and I, you can sneak onto the rooftop in her house and get this beautiful 360 view of, I think, one of the most stunning cities uh, in the world. And you get just this, this ability to exhale and, and just be inspired for me. That's where the world really stops and where I just feel at, at home the most. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? Well, honestly, for me, the the most wondrous and and enchanting thing that I can encounter is like a really old tree. And when I think about a natural wonder of the world, I really think about the redwoods uh, in California, in Northern California, that are massive. They're larger than most of our apartments uh, in, in Europe, at least. And they just, their presence is so powerful they almost seem like omniscient you know they they know all the things and they carry wisdom of centuries in their you know bark and in their leaves and to me as long as I'm there like nothing else that has that is happening in the world exists anymore and these trees remind me that they will continue to exist beyond any of the bullshit that we have to deal with and believe is important every day these trees are the only important things and and they will outlive all of us and to me that is a wonder that that's so humbling um, that excites me the most elisa what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own about a person business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world my answer to the question of um, inspiring individuals or inspiring projects always goes back to this woman called Rebecca Lolonsoli, who is in Samburu, um, Kenya. She's the leader of the Umoja Women's Tribe, which is um, a subsect of the Maasai Mara. And what's amazing is that she's been the chief of this tribe since 1990 which first of all was the year I was born, but is specifically worth mentioning because it's such a long time ago. And the Maasai Mara are famously patriarchal and famously kind of male-dominating as a culture. And what Umoja is, is a safe haven for women, specifically women that are either being... um, given up to child marriage or women that are abused or women that are in situations of of domestic violence, for example. So it acts almost as a women's shelter, but it is its own uh, village and it's protected by women, run by women. Women are the financial providers of this village. They raise their children there. And if they raise sons, of course, their sons are welcome. But once they're of age and they want to get married, they cannot be married in this village. It's literally only for women and children. And the reason this village is so inspiring to me is because just in order to set it up, it took an insane amount of, of courage and and strategic thinking in a place that's very difficult for that courage to be justified. But 
they were successful. And not only were they successful, is that 30 years later, they have this village. And for a culture like the Masai Mara, that's nomadic, that tends to follow uh, water and resources for their livestock, the Umoja women have been able to kind of formalize themselves and get themselves recognized by entities like the United Nations uh, or other foreign nonprofits and receive enough donations to build a well so that they don't have to be nomadic, which puts them at risk down the line. So they now have a well. They're in the same location, which means that donors can find them uh, or supporters can come visit them. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people. Uh, and they were able to build schools for children that are now there with them, living with them, and raise livestock on the property and actually protect themselves much better. Um, so for me, that's a story that is continuously inspiring. And the woman who, who leads this, Rebecca Lolonsoli, taught herself English and now you know, travels the world telling these amazing um, women's stories and the women that she helps to, to support and, and protect from a potentially very um, dark experience in life. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? Nothing matters today like it used to matter before COVID. So there's no need for us to come back into this world with the same stressors, the same pressure, the same urgency to fulfill the desires of this pre-established consumerist society. It's really a time now for us to almost take the the pause that we were on and and extend that pacing into the future take our time with things i think i really learned to sleep on it now whenever there's a a big question that needs to be answered or a big decision that needs to be made it doesn't need to be made right now you can take a day to sleep on it if somebody is urgently waiting for you know a deadline Make sure you give them a paced deadline. Don't feel that same pressure to have to do everything yesterday because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's we, what we really saw was in those pauses, in that paced style of living, we're able to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with the important things around us and the important relationships around us. And I, I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that I don't get sucked back into an kind of artificially imposed, rushed pacing of things that make me forget to really live and be present. To find out more about Elisa and the work of Wumina, go to elisafreya.com and wumina.co. To engage with the previous 58 Wonderspace episodes, go to our website, ourwonder.space. I want to thank Elisa for joining us on Wonderspace, and I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness.